0: Well hello you awesome nerds, welcome back to Pitch Slapped. My name is Kaylee Hillier, I am so obsessed with Pitch Perfect that I created a podcast all about it. Thank you so much for listening. Today on the podcast we're going to be delving into our second part of our watch through of Pitch Perfect 1. We got another five minutes into the movie and it's all about Barden University. We're going to enter barden for the first time and that means that we get to meet becca mitchell so much to discuss i mean considering the fact that this is like a barely a 5 minute scene if that we went on for like almost 2 hours i was editing this down i was like oh my word i this is going to be a mammoth one this is apparently we've got a lot to say about becca and barden this week i uh, I got really into one fic which is about Becca being an assassin. Can't wait. So let's get into it. Let's blow that pitch pipe starting off with some actor news. In actor news over the past week Rebel Wilson has announced that she is set to star in a Paramount Players comedy called Senior Year. The story apparently follows a cheerleader ...who wakes up from a 20-year coma and returns to high school to try and regain her status and claim the prom queen crown that eluded her. Interesting. It's an interesting concept. Wilson is also producing the movie as well. I'm intrigued to find out how this is going to go. She seems to be, like, piling in a load of things to keep her busy. Lots of projects in the works... Elsewhere, I feel like we just need to take a moment to appreciate Shelly Regner and her use of Instagram videos. She started a rant series on Instagram which, every time I watch one, just makes my day a little bit better. She is calling them, no one asked, but she's going to talk about it anyway. She has done a, at least four or so now, including something about butt cuts, you mess with dogs, the bleeders would take over, and internet procrastination, and also one about the Golden Globes. They're so sort of tongue in cheek and just ranging from an, a, an array of topics, some serious, some not, and just having and just having like a load of bizarre fun. I'm enjoying it. There is still time to vote for Anna Kendrick at the Kids' Choice Awards. Come on, we want her to win for her voice of Princess Poppy. Get in there get the votes in. You can vote as many times as you want. Let's get Anna that award. Come on. And finally, I feel like it's not necessarily a bit of news, but I feel like we have to recognise the awesomeness that was the Dickinson finale that aired last Friday Hayley Steinfeld I mean come on I was not expecting what happened in that finale and talking to a lot of people I'm not going to give too much away if you haven't seen it it is great just the amount of people that had to be like peeled off the floor after witnessing what happened in that episode all these things that were kind of built up played out so unexpectedly in the finale of Dickinson the talent of Haley Steinfeld in that and Ella Hunt i just no words no words I'm just glad that we're able to kind of share and revel in this the amount of amazing gifts and content has been coming out around the Dickinson finale well done people that's it for our acting news this week let's delve into a life at Barden I've got a creator to help me along the way let's do it So we started off a few weeks ago delving into Pitch Perfect One and we covered Puke Gate. I did it with Incredibile. And so we thought we'd do the second section today. And I was looking at the movie and I was like, where should we go to? And I figured starting right off with the title sequence, all the way we meet Becca Mitchell, we're gonna have a dad, you got Jesse, cutting it off at the activities fair, because the activities fair is a big thing. So Today, I'm delving into the first moments of Becca Mitchell and Baden University. This is when we're going to like welcome ourselves to Baden. And to help me kind of overview this scene today, I have asked Ellen to uh, help me out. Hi, Ellen. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for like joining me today and like delving into Pitch Perfect One. Oh, I'm happy to.
1: I'm really looking forward to it. So,
0: <laughs> so for those who don't know, where might people know you from?
1: Oh, um, uh, I'm under Bridges normally, and no, um, so I, so I'm I'm on Tumblr, obviously. Um, it's obviously where most of us met or know each other from. My username is uh, Beyond the Chloe. Um, so you'll probably see me doing like gift sets and. Uh, ridiculous things mostly and then I also do writing uh, and I'm normally on AO3 as Akka because I thought that would be funny I just normally just sort of like mess around I'm not usually too super serious You, you're very good with the memes <laughs> life's too serious sometimes I think life is serious enough I'd like my my online life to be really Uh, low low key sort of just funny so yeah like that's mostly what I try and do I I don't usually write angst or do anything with angst um I leave that to people who are really good at it and I I just think I think humor should be layered in just about everything so yeah I I always try and make everything funny (laughs)
0: love it I love it when I like pop up tumblr and then you I don't know how you come up with some of the memes and stuff that you come up with but
1: like I love it it's fantastic Uh, I I like to say that I'm insane. That's probably why I come up with some of the stuff I come up with, but I don't know. I have no idea. Inspiration.
0: That's it. (laughs) Yes. So we're delving into Pitch Perfect One today. When was the first time you saw it? When did it like, when was that moment?
1: Oh, okay. I actually saw it in theatres when um, it came out in 2012. Um, I saw, like, a trailer for it before another movie that I was seeing that year, probably something crap. But um, I I saw the trailer for it. I was like, you know what? This kind of looks funny. I'd recognised Rebel Wilson, obviously, from some Australian TV because that's where I live. And I was like, okay, I know her. Like, the trailer looks kind of funny. I wasn't super aware of, um, like... Anna Kendrick at that stage or anything like that. I, I obviously knew Britney Snow from, like, Prom Night, but, like, the like there was a bunch of the other actors in there that I had no idea about. I just thought it looked kind of funny. So I went and saw it um, at the theatres and I was like, oh, yeah, this is definitely, like, something that I've really, you know, didn't realise I was going to become obsessed with it. But I, I saw it, I was like, yeah, that's funny. Watched it a couple more times later on when it came out, like, on DVD. And I was like, yep, this is it. This is this is this is it from now on, this is all I'm doing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think that's probably, like I don't
1: know like about everybody else, but that was similar for me.
0: It was like I fell in love with the movie, but I didn't know that it was gonna be something I was gonna latch onto quite as strongly as I did.
1: Yeah, I so. very much, so yeah, that's exactly it. yeah it's it was just sort of it was just sort of f- funny and sort of stuck with you a little bit because it wasn't it didn't feel like it was like every other comedy that I saw sort of around that time and then just sort of as time got on and sort of like just before number two came out I was kind of like you know what this this means more to me than I realized that it did like originally so um yeah I sort of yeah just just latched onto it and haven't been able to let go.
0: Yeah I, I think that's very true like it, it is a little bit edgier than some of the stuff that was around It, I don't know if it ascended to the the heights of Mean Girls but it was kind of up there in this kind of fresh vibe that it was giving off there's some of the jokes and some of the things that it was doing and I think because it had that musical aspect as well it was just something that I just hooked into and yeah and then it just got bigger and bigger the next movie came out and then it was like oh wait they're making more okay I can do this I yeah can get
1: this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's right yeah I, I I didn't even know half of the songs when they actually did them in the first movie and then I sort of became fans of some of them as like because of like listening to them over and over and I was like yeah okay this is kind of cool and then they did the second one and that obviously had more music that I was obviously already fan a fan of and stuff like that so it was just yeah it was just kind of like the girls say it was it was a bit of a surprise like in terms of just how much it sort of became this big thing and even just like personally sort of like how it how it became I guess important yeah it's kind of cool i like it
0: <laughs> yeah and i think that's why pitch perfect 1 holds such a like special place because it wasn't a big budget movie like as the other ones became This one, they didn't know if it was going to work. It was a whole new thing. A lot of the people weren't as well known. And I think, you know, some of the edgier jokes and some of the things put in there, they didn't know how this was going to go. They didn't know how big it was going to be. And suddenly, like,
1: people hooked into it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I think uh, similar to, like, anytime you find something that really matters to you. When you look back on it, you go, I just don't know how I didn't realize at that point that it was that. But it was like, it took a couple of years for me to realize that, oh, you know, this actually really does mean more to me. Yeah. Very, very like an, oh crap moment for me when I sort of realized later on that it was super important. And and I like that there's so many people out there that sort of feel that way too about it. Like it's it's nice that like, you know, I remember when I sort of found the fandom, I was like, oh, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm not alone in this. Like, it's actually, like, like way more people than I thought. And obviously that changes over the years, but, like, like when I first came in, I was like, wow, there's, like, so many people here and I've got no idea where they've all come from and uh, how they all thought, like, you know, how they all found this like I did because I just stumbled across it from a different fandom I was in. I just happened to stumble across and go, okay, this is my new home. I'm going to live here forever and nobody can kick me out. So.
0: that's amazing (laughs) I think that's the thing though like because I got into the fandom really late like you said this thing that was really precious to you you didn't realize that there were other people who felt quite the same way and suddenly I found this space and it was like wait there's like there are Mm. people that make stuff about these characters and there's people that do stuff and they're all talking about it online and I like I feel validated (laughs) my my thing was this film
1: yeah I no, I agree and and you see that some of the stuff people create too and you're just like how do they come up with this like it's just amazing or it's so funny or because I see things on there all the time and I like I just laugh my head off at some of the things that people create whether it be like gift sets or incorrect quotes or anything like uh, it just like even just a single frame picture with a funny caption like it's just so good and it really just makes your day too when you just like jump on and you see something like that and it's just kind of like yes this is what I needed today I need to get through the day and this is like this is getting me there so yeah I've, I've really enjoyed like the last I think I've, I I don't know how long I've been in it for but like I've probably been in it actively since like 2015 or 2016, but I sort of like was a bit of a shadow sort of just prior to that. So I sort of count sort of like the PP2 era as when I really joined. And just just even then, like just some of the stuff that even still gets created today, it's just so good. And uh, I just get so jealous of all the talent out there. Like it's just insane.
0: (laughs) And they keep making stuff. It's amazing. Like
1: (laughs) Yeah. That's exactly right. I know me personally, I've just got like this one note that's just spread out into ideas for like fix and, um, you know, like half written things that I'm like, oh God, I need to finish this. And then I don't finish it. And then I, you know, think about it the next day and I'll sit down in front of it and I'll look at it and go, I need to finish this. But like, I just like, yeah, I just have like thousands of ideas just sitting there waiting for me to get around to actually like creating them. But I'm like, oh, I know that I've got to be in the mood to do it. <laughs>
0: That's the challenge, that is the challenge. At least mm. you had them all written down. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, well, I would forget, I've got a terrible memory I would totally forget, and then they'd be lost forever, and I'd never make anything again.
0: <laughs> That'd be so sad.) <laughs> <laughs> well I mean, we could go on for ages about um, the movies and everything, but today we're going to focus yeah. on like one section.: Yes. Yes. And it was kind of a weird section I asked you to kind of help me on today, because it's like, it feels a little bit like the in-between between Gate and the activities fair. But it's kind of the yeah. key, there's like a number of key things that happen in this moment, because it's the first time yeah. that we meet Becca Mitchell.
1: And it's the best moment ever because obviously we get to meet this amazing character that we all love. You're right. It is it is like sandwiched between these two kind of like really, really big scenes. And um, obviously PewGate gives us a really good insight into w- Aubrey for the rest of the movie. And then Activities Fair is obviously the beginning of something very important for the rest of us. But uh, yeah, I I, I kind of like the way that they introduce Becca in, in this because it just sort of it gives you a bit of an idea as to sort of like how closed off she is and um uh just sort of like what her priorities are and it sort of really helps sort of uh sort of indirectly or I guess silently develop her character a bit what she's going to be like for us and how we all put her in fix and stuff like that as well. So I think this scene's still, still important even if it's not like a necessarily huge scene within the movie itself. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And like we were mentioning just before we started recording the fact that it wasn't until you went back and watched it that you realized how many like key things happen. And there's like, it's about four to five minutes section.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And like the way that it starts off with just like her her DJ equipment and everything. And um, when I went back and, and watched it too, I was like, oh, I've actually got some of the stuff that she has in this scene as well. Because I've got a track deck and I've got a controller as well. And I was like, oh, 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 okay. Maybe I am Becca, but uh, <laughs> not, not, not quite as talented. But yeah, no, I think it's nice to see her sort of like in her element because we don't get to see her mixing an awful lot of music through the movies Um, we do get little little snippets and stuff like that but it's sort of it's it's sort of a nice sort of going back to the roots because like I said I haven't watched this movie I haven't watched the full like pitch perfect one movie in a long time so it's nice to sort of go back and and remind myself of these little bits that I sort of don't don't necessarily remember all the time because I'm not using them in gift sets and stuff like that so yeah
0: so if we take it right back to the beginning of that scene the pew gates just happened And then it starts off with the title sequence and you get the mashup underneath. That's literally like you see Aubrey's face and then you just go bang straight into this, this completely different style of music. I always thought that was kind of a really interesting hook because for me, when I especially was watching it back, when I watched the movie for the first time, I remember there was that moment when the mashup came on and suddenly like my ears picked up and I was like, what is this? Like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like, um, (laughs) especially from when you've gone from like, I saw the sign and suddenly you've got uh, two, one, two and Buster move playing in this mashup. And it was like, I am suddenly like intrigued and really hooked with this sound. Maybe it's like the DJ in me, but it was like, wait, what is this?
1: (laughs) yeah yeah and i think that that shows like a huge contrast between aubrey and becca too because obviously the music reflects sort of them and their characters and how they how they are i guess um so it's like it's a really good i wouldn't say subtle way because obviously becca's music is like full like dj-esque music yeah it's like a it's like a nice way to sort of without having to use words or sort of explain it it's like a it's like a, hey, this is obviously different now. This is a, a very different person. It's a different scene. You know, it's not going to be the same as the uptight or nervous Aubrey that we've already seen. Um, yeah. And, and I would also like to point out that her saving her music as she does it, she has so much more organized than I will ever be. And it makes me want to go and redo my whole. Uh, organization system on my computer, but I won't because I'm also lazy. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, this is a tip for uh, any DJs: keep your library yeah. organized. It's such a key thing. I am terrible at it. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wish I was that good. I, I am not. That's uh, that's some that's some specialization there. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really jealous. <laughs>
0: <laughs> also. I was watching it back in preparation for today and I was like, wait, that is like the first time you get to know Becca's name because it's literally on the screen as like Becca's hard drive. So before you, yeah. you like, even speaks, I mean, I would hope that I had picked up the fact that, oh, look, that must be her because you don't see her, like her face for a while. It yeah. starts off with the music and yeah, then you've got yeah. the the visuals And then it's like her hands on the keyboard and then it's her back. And you're like, they're really like building up to
1: this person. Yeah. She's got a lot of luggage. Um, And (laughs) I I would like to point out that, you know, you would hope it's her name unless she's stolen that laptop. You know, (laughs) I, I, I don't think she's got the time to do that. She'd have to be very wily to get away with stealing a laptop. But um, I think it's interesting that you point out you don't really see her face for a while because it's true. It's not until she sort of like gets out of the cab that you really see her face, I don't think. Um, yeah. And it's, yeah, you don't really, yeah, you don't think about that sort of stuff. But yeah, it's, yeah, she's very, she's very hidden, she's very mysterious to begin with. Yeah. And she doesn't really talk. She oh, she says like one line getting out of the cab. But apart from that, she doesn't really talk until her dad gets there. So you're right, yeah, she's very hidden, I guess, to begin with, yeah.
0: And it's quite an interesting point that um, you made, something that I picked up on, was how the music styles kind of let you know about the person. Yeah. You know, like with Aubrey, yeah. and I saw the sign. and And you suddenly, it was almost like you're getting a full force of this mashup, which you don't often hear in movies. And I think from my like nerdy dj brain that was like i love this this is amazing you never hear mashups of movies you're getting a perception of her persona from this mashup that had that you're listening to
1: oh for sure yeah and it's so different to how the obviously the first songs were because they were very clean very singular i guess like obviously a lot slower um in terms of the style of music they just weren't so like hard hitting like I mean obviously this is just a, it's a it's a mashup so it's not like some sort of like really heavy sort of music but it's um it's obviously a lot a lot different to to what we experienced in the first scene and um it really it really pulls you in I think from the get-go and I don't know how many of us had actually heard this mashup before it actually came into the movie. I've no idea I don't even know if it was created for the movie if it was created before that but it was definitely a I think it was a really good selection to begin with because it does sort of like pick up your attention after the gigantic mess that Aubrey's made which was obviously very surprising in that movie but it's way different. It's one of the points where after I downloaded the album for the for the movie I I used to listen to that song as I was like walking to work and stuff like that and I was like yeah like got to pick up myself for the day and you know prepare myself for spending you know 8 hours at work but It is super different it's it is it is a when you really really look into it and sort of how we look at the characters later on it is it is such a huge indicator of her personality later on in the movie when we do actually hear her speak and um sort of like even just her looks how she how she talks to people what she shows as her priorities later on as well that's all like huge yeah
0: yeah, and I remember coming back from watching the film and getting the soundtrack, and I was so annoyed that that mashup wasn't on it at the beginning. Like, oh, I was yeah. Like, oh, you kidding me? Like, yeah, I was. I was. I, was, I was spent ages yeah. online looking for that mashup, and I remember like finding the original like backing track, which is a song, and like you know the the other songs, Bust the Move and Two One Two, and it was like, and it took me ages till they like released. This extra bit with yeah. the songs on it, but it was like, what? <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, I know. They always take, they always like the ones that you want, they never they never give you straight away. It's always like, no, you gotta wait until we release like a deluxe edition or something like that, and we'll, we'll give you like the ones that you sort of like missed out on the first time. Yeah. yeah I think no, as but- well, like it
0: was interesting the songs they picked because obviously we hear another matchup from Becca later on, which is the titanium one. I think the fact that although she's like, a, I want to say a muso, like she's really into music and obviously on her laptop, you can see all these, like there's like trance tracks and drum and bass tracks. This has some really big tunes on it that people are going to know. And also like "Buster Move isn't the coolest song. Like, yeah, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. I mean, you know, it's it, it's almost verging on like a party song in some sense because it's, you know, it's in the 80s or 90s or whatever. And, you know, when I played it at, at gigs, you know, people know the words and they just want to like joke around with it. 212 obviously has as t- its own type of reputation. So it's interesting, like they could have had her pick, you know, some really kind of out there stuff, but no, they, they kind of kept it in with songs that you were going to know. And so like, although she's really into music, it's almost like she's aware of doing stuff that a crowd's gonna want to hear, and like not isolating yeah, um, yeah a
1: listener. Well, yeah, and she, I like that she sort of picks things from different genres too. So, and I think that's a pretty big indicator too of her uh, of them trying to, I guess, showcase what her ability is as well, which is cool because obviously those two songs you wouldn't normally think of going together in any way, shape, or form. They're hugely different, and. Uh, I think it's interesting that they've chosen a mashup to sort of I guess show that as part of her personality because a lot of us obviously knew both of those songs and just having them together like that and then later on obviously them showing more of her mashups as as the movie goes on and sort of what she chooses to put together and even in the finale where she chooses to add in um don't you forget about me like in with songs that are really new, really fresh. Like at the time, it just goes to show you that they're, they're trying to show you her ability is that no matter what the song is, she will be able to find a way to to put it in there and make it work. She's just that good, you know. It's her, it's her talent. It's 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 her passion. She loves that. She's got to do it. She'll you know give her a challenge and she'll she'll smash it. So um, yeah, I, I think I like that part of it. Definitely, she is
0: that good. I mean. It's not even that long of a song. It's quite short. And the amount of stuff that goes into that mashup is impressive. Like, I looked into it once and it was like, oh my word, like the amount of stuff that's gone in to make that track is like, yeah, blows your mind.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's it's insane. I think anybody who can who can mix songs together and do it in such a seamless way, where it almost sounds like they should have belonged together from the beginning, is just that's insane. I I can't fathom the ability to be able to make something so seamless like that. Like it's just yeah. I, I think there's a there's a whole lot of talent or a, or a whole lot of practice going in there, and it, it's probably a bit of both. <laughs>
0: One thing that always hooked me in the film, and I can't figure out because I'm pretty sure she's at an
1: airport.
0: I always think it's an airport when she's I, sat I there. I think so, yeah. I don't know what it yeah, is. it I, looks like it. I don't know if there's like a tannoy or something that mentions something, but I don't know about that many people, but I'm not going to get my DJ laptop out, set on a bench at an airport and continue mixing. like As much as I would love to, I just... I would be too aware of everybody around me. But like, I think that just shows like, you know what? Becca is so focused on what she loves doing. Like any spare moment she has, she was sat there on a laptop waiting for a taxi.
1: Yeah. Like any moment she's bored, she's going to be doing it. That's just what she does. And I think it's sort of, I think it's sort of indicative of the fact that she's very well aware of where she's heading. In this moment, and she's obviously not happy about it, and she's going to try and get as much of it in as possible because her goal is obviously to not be there. It's to to go and do exactly what she says she wants to do to her dad, which is go to LA and pay her dues and start working. And um, I, I sort of I like that she's sort of very much doesn't care about what's going on around her. Because I'm very much the opposite. I always care about what's going on around me. Um <laughs> I'm never never oblivious to, to to people being around me. But yeah, it's, it's, I think it's I think it's interesting that she's choosing, you know, every spare moment that she's got she's just going to choose to work towards where she wants to be. And I guess that shows just how strongly she feels about it, how passionate she is about her music, because um, a lot of people wouldn't just stop and just go, oh, I've got this idea, I've got to do it now, or I want to fix this up because I know that I didn't get to fix it up later or, or earlier. And I envy that that ability that she's got, because that's obviously something that she's not willing to give up no matter where she is. And I think that's a huge indicator of, of, of her character as well throughout this movie. And it just sort of gets a bit stronger as she sort of finds her voice later on in the movie too.
0: I think that's a really key point. We'll probably jump into it a little bit. You see this a number of times in this scene when she gets to Baden and everything. Yeah. The although she's in a situation she's not happy about, that she's gonna put everything into her passion um, and what she loves doing. And and that yeah. comes across so many times in even just this, this short moment.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. And you know. the whole time she's listening to music, she has her headphones on, like, it's it's quite clear. She just wants to shut everything out and just, like, just just deal with her music and that that's it. So she's sort of ignoring the, the, the first day hype or the first day jitters that everyone else has. Like everyone's nervous, excited, they're dropping their luggage. They've got their parents there. She's chosen to be there alone, despite the fact that her dad works there. Like she's made some very particular choices about her first day at college. She does not want to make it memorable. And um, I think that's, I think that's pretty indicative of her of her character as well at this point in time, and and sort of how she's feeling, and 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 how she's grown up to be um, at this moment. Um, obviously she changes later throughout the movie and throughout the the subsequent movies but like at this moment in time it's very much I'm by myself I, I'm gonna have to get myself through to, to, to LA I'm gonna have to you know work to get where I want to be be a producer and all that kind of stuff and um, she's just choosing to to deal with it through music and is sort of ignore everything else and I mean, I, I went to university. My first day of university was nothing like this. I don't know if it's the same in the UK, but in Australia, it's definitely not like it is in America. Um, it's very much, you don't really live on campus at all. You normally go to a university that's pretty close to you. It's very much just, you go similar to like how you would go to school every day. You just go when you need to and you go home when you don't need to be there. <laughs> like It's nothing like this. So it's sort of interesting to see Um what it's like from from that perspective, because it's very, very odd to me to, to be like that. Yeah.
0: That's quite interesting. Cause yeah, like I went to uni here in the UK. And I mean, one thing that I think is very different than what you see in a lot of American movies or TV shows is the fact that they have a roommate. That yeah. never happens over here. Like they all have like dorms around the campus for like freshers and stuff, like your first year, but they're all single. You might have like a communal bathroom, but the the dorms themselves are all single dorms. I I would hate the idea of living with someone else <laughs> But I didn't know. Like See, this whole
1: idea of Yeah. Well, I don't even think we have that. We've got like not super close, but like there is like you know, the university will be sort of like towards a particular area of the city and there'll be dorms built like hotels similar to hotels and you'll be able to like go to the university from those if you choose to stay there. But I think they're more for people who come to study from overseas or if they move from a different state to go to that university. So it's it's super different here. We just don't really do the whole like staying on campus or like you normally just live at home and go to university and just like treat it like a school day. It's really, it's really different. I can't imagine going and staying on a university campus. I think I would lose my mind. I don't know that I would cope. That'd be like, there's way too many people here. I'm not down for this. I would like to leave and leave now.
0: (laughs) I mean, it's kind of interesting. Like, Obviously, you don't get a big insight into life at Barden, but I think just because it's the first day and everybody's moving in and then you've got those little moments, you've got that scene or that bit of the scene where You've got the guys on the the chairs with like school cards? Yeah, yeah, the like, lawn chairs. Yeah, the fold out chairs. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, <laughs> like, I know. That would make me cringe so yeah. much. Maybe that wouldn't happen, but you would have like the fresher's antics that would go on, you know, the you know, everybody's up yeah, up with their parents and so it's hey, how much can you drink and I mean the people getting locked in the yeah. bathrooms because they were too drunk to open the door and yeah. things like that
1: that happen as a fresher at uni. Yeah, yeah. The, the scorecard thing really, uh, I have no idea if that really happens, um, but I sort of love her reaction to it where she's just just sort of like, you know, a little, little bit of a little bit of a smile, but like sort of like internally rolling her eyes because she's like, oh God, like, of course, this is not what I want to be around. I don't think I would handle that very well at all. I'd be like, oh God, <laughs> I, 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 I don't want to be around that. So she she handles it much better than I would. I don't even know if they do rate Becca. Uh, um, <laughs> I, she gets I know pretty that close they to them. Rate someone like. ahead of her. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I'm just, sure she doesn't give yeah. give a crap about what they <laughs> rate her. But yeah,
0: <laughs> I think that's the great thing, though, is um, because you you see these great scenes of Baden University, and to be fair, it looks like a fantastic campus, like this big ornate buildings, and like just like wow, okay, yeah. Um, But she has a complete like nonchalance to everything that's happening. She's just like deadpan, face, just like, I don't wanna be here. Yeah. You've got all these excited people with their parents. And she's just
1: like, Yeah. No. All the people that have taken their whole room from their house and they're trying to make their dorm room like their whole room or whatever, but she's just got like what she needs. A lot of it's her equipment. She's probably got like a one of her suitcases is full of clothes. But, yeah, she's, she's not trying to make this a home. She's just trying to make herself get through it because, you know, she's just taking what she needs to survive, which is her music. And obviously, you know, just things that she needs to get through the day. I think her choosing not to have her dad there, obviously we know her relationship with him is not the greatest when she first gets there. But I think her intentionally choosing to do this alone is is really big because most people wouldn't want to do this by themselves. They'd want to have a friend there that they're going with, or they'd want to have their parents there to sort of help them through the first day because it's such a big change to go from finishing high school to being on holidays to waiting to start university and then actually like going to the university for the first day is it's such a huge change. And obviously that changes every year that you're there. It becomes less and less of a big deal. But that first year is just so massive. And um, her choosing to do that by herself is incredibly indicative of her, like her her want or need to not care about this at all because she doesn't want to be there. Yeah, I, I, I like that sort of aspect of it. I think that's, um, it's very telling when you really look at her choosing to do it alone before you meet her dad that this really doesn't matter to her. She doesn't want to be there. And uh, I like the uh, the given the whistle part. Um, you no, know, we didn't even that, like talk about that. Like- <laughs> you no, know, I was going to say that that also worries me. The fact that they, they need to give those out. I don't know if that's the case for every university. I don't know how often that happens here, but <laughs> I, don't, I didn't get one and I, I don't think that they hand those out here. And I think that that's a bit insane one. that they have to do that. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a bit insane that they have to do that. If they do, I don't know. I haven't actually looked into that, whether or not that's a thing that they actually do or whether they just thought they'd try and make it weird by them doing that at this point in time. But yeah, I think that, uh, that I've, like, I'd never heard of that before this movie. That's crazy that they might need to do that at all if they do.
0: It's kind of interesting because like the greeter, she's so preppy. Almost like I would be taken aback if somebody came up to me that
1: kind of assertive and like happy at the same time. Honestly, I'm surprised Becca did not punch her in the face because if someone came up to me that happy that day, I would be like, wow, I'm not down for this. I'm not awake enough for this. You know, my first interaction with someone at this university does not need to be this happy.
0: <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> and, then, yeah. like,
1: and then she ends it with the rape whistle. Yeah, yeah, which is such an odd gift to get on your first day. Such an odd gift. I don't know how that lady's that preppy, but it kind of looks like she's really forcing it.
0: Oh, yeah, like she, she's <laughs> and, probably and had to do this all
1: day. Yeah, and, and then and then she meets Becca, who gives her nothing, says nothing except for Baker Hall to her, and, like, gives her no indication of friendliness or, you know, thanks or anything like that. She's just completely, like, you know, Dead expression, you know this. This lady's just like almost looks like she's been broken by her at the end because she just sort of like uh, walks away. Like, no, not then, not again, not another one. Why can't anyone respond to me? <laughs> I mean, they used to have people in
0: my uni who were like third years, and you could apply to like help people on Freshers Week, and I think you could almost imagine her. Having to break into the smile and just be like, "Okay, face on. Here we go. Here's another one," and like none of these people really acknowledging her throughout the day because she's just there to tell them where to go and to give them their whistle. Yeah, so like I, she probably I, walks I, away
1: and her face just drops until she has to go to somewhere. Yeah, else. I, I, I can't imagine being brave enough to volunteer for that job. I, I. <laughs> Like meeting that many people in one day—that is, that's you know, that's award worthy. Really, I try and avoid people almost yeah, all day. Too. You know, <laughs> you to, yeah, it's just it's enough. Like, <laughs> um, but yeah, so like, I, 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 you know, she must obviously enjoy being there. Unless they get paid, I don't know. I have no idea. Did it? Maybe I but do I that don't job. Know. I'll tell you what, maybe if they got paid, I'd do it. (laughs) (laughs) It's good enough. Maybe (laughs) I'd probably be able to suck it up. Yeah. Yeah. I could suck it up for a day
0: to be fine. She would also have had to deal with, you've got the worried parents that would have been there with the kids. Becca doesn't have any of her parents. Like you mentioned earlier, the fact that she came alone, which she didn't just from the airport. Like she's left. Well, we're assuming that it's somewhere like Seattle, which potentially is a few hours on a plane. So Like, she's already left home, flown all this way. We assume maybe her mum from Seattle. It is a little bit odd for her not to have any parents there. Like, that's like a big moment for your parents to see you go off to college and you're leaving the nest for the first time and all this stuff. It's almost a little bit heartbreaking in a sense. You know, you don't know if her mum dropped her off at the airport and was crying or you got the goodbyes. I remember going to college and it was like being dropped off at my dorm and my mum's like all upset because I'm leaving home and you know the dads are like if you got everything are you okay like
1: there's this whole
0: thing in the family that happens and you get none of that from Becca
1: yeah we don't even know if she cried or if she got angry before she had to get on that plane we have no idea I mean obviously we find out you know, in a couple of minutes into the movie, when she when we meet her dad, that she really, really does not want to be there. It's like the worst thing in the world for her right now. He's taking her opportunities away from her. You know, he's he's ruining what she wants to do, her future, her career, her passions. Like he's 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 taking that away from her, and um, she obviously really resents that. But yeah, leading up to her going and actually getting, because obviously we only see her after she's gotten off the plane or the bus, if she took like a huge bus, I don't know how she got there, but her getting to that place, we have no idea what happened leading up to that. We have no idea... If her mum was there, she might have left while her mum was at work. Who knows? Maybe she didn't want to have a teary goodbye. We don't know any of that sort of stuff. That's the stuff that we sort of come up with in our own fix and all that kind of stuff. I was going to say, I was like, open gaps where we get to, yeah. This is like the type of thing that people then make fix about. Like, Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's the gaps where we get to headcanon our own stuff. You know, however angsty or fluffy or you know whatever we want to happen in that particular world that we're creating in that time. This is that's the kind of stuff that we can really work with. Is the is the not knowing how that happened? How did it get to that point? I think in this instance, yeah, we have no idea. We don't even know who she lives with. If her mummy was even alive, we've got no idea. She could be living with an aunt or an uncle or, you know, her grandparents or something. You know, we have no idea. We just know she doesn't live with her dad. (laughs) That's (laughs) all we know.
0: That's Um, the interesting thing because you, obviously we find out later that she's there because of her dad, but clearly she's not living with her dad because she's, well, we we think it's an airport.
1: Yeah. And, And they clearly don't necessarily... I mean, they're not super restrained because he obviously knows what she wants to do. So, they've obviously been having, I don't want to say discussions, they've probably been having fights about it, (laughs) about what she wants to do for a career. But yeah, like they've obviously talked about it. So, he he knows what she wants to do. How well he knows her as a person, I, I would say probably not super well. Cause I would say that a lot of their discussions or end up being fights about, you know, what she wants to do for a career and, and why she doesn't want to go to university and all that kind of stuff. And we don't even know how long it's really been since he's left her because he's obviously been living away teaching at this university for a while. We have no idea how long it's been. And, you know, she doesn't want to obviously be around her stepmom as well. As we learn, she calls her the step-monster which I took to very, very, very well. I I love that terminology because, you know, when I was in high school, I felt the exact same way. Yeah. (laughs) This sort of section talking about Becca's home situation where she's come from, who she talks to, how well they know her, and even later in the movie where she has the heart-to-heart with her father as well, like you sort of – you only get really little glimpses about what her home life is like or has been like in the past, and you really can come up with just about – anything from that because nothing nothing in it is solid enough that it's, you know, you're going to be taking away from canon if you say this or whatever, because there's no, there's nothing solid given. It's all just like sort of up to interpretation a lot of it because like you don't say, oh, you left me when I was 10, you know, uh, I'm I'm really unhappy with you because you left me when I was 10 and it's all your fault and all this kind of stuff. Like, you know, so in terms of fandom wise, I, I think I like that it's very open to interpretation like that. Um, A lot of it, yeah.
0: Becca's Um, the interesting one because she's the one character that you do get a certain amount of backstory with. Like a lot of the other ones, you don't really get that much. So you're given these breadcrumbs to work with, but then seeing how creators and seeing how people pick these up and it runs in their brain to certain ways this could go. Or, like you said, her situation with her mom and what their relationship could have been like, or when did the dad leave and all this stuff. So you have all these great things that people can use then to shape their scenarios and their
1: stories. Yeah, and it makes everything different too because everybody has their own different idea about how these characters come from, like especially Becca because obviously Becca is the one we know the most. She's the one we learn the most about. She's obviously the main character throughout the movies. It's really easy for everyone to come up with their own different headcanon for that. And there might be Some pretty widely accepted ones out there as well. A lot of people tend to lean on, but there's also uh, scenarios where, like, I know, like, when I write a fic, I don't write the same thing every time. Mine's not necessarily the same backstory every time or whatever. I often tend to write meet cute stories rather than like a continuous on of like other fics and whatever. So I think it's interesting to to sort of lean on that, that we don't have all the information and, and making different stories every time because everyone's stories are different no I don't I don't think I've ever come across a story where I've gone ah, I mean I've kind of read this before but like, like I, that's just never come across to me and, and I've read so many of them yeah like none of them have come across as the same to me at all they were all super different they're all super I guess individual in their own ways and yeah i, I love this particular part of the story and, and PP1 where we just have that such open backstory for her with just these little these little hints of, of what's happened
0: And I'm going to cut it there. Like, me and Beyond Bechloe went in so much more into what happens meeting Becca Mitchell and coming to Baden University that uh, I had to split this episode into two. So, you've got the joy of waiting for part two to come. I will say there is some great stuff. Like, we really dove into Becca and her dad and that whole situation. So there's lots of stuff that I'm excited to delve into. And I've also been asking you guys on Tumblr on your opinions on whether or not it was right for Becca's dad to make her go to Barden. And I'm going to read some of those responses out as well to the episode. So I can't wait for that to come next week. Big thank you to Beyond Bacchloe for joining me and talking to me about... These very first scenes from Pitch Perfect. And although it's only a few minutes long, there is so much to look at. And if you want to check out Beyond Bechloe, they are on Tumblr, just look for Beyond Bacchloe. Or if you want to find them on AO3, they are at Me, and they have a link to that on their Tumblr. Right now, though, let's delve into some fan fiction. <coughs> And of course, with our fanfiction highlights this week, we're going to all sorts of places. We've got an Assassin AU, Truth or Dare, or a very just cute and fluffy one based around music. I I just had to put it in there. Starting off with The Million Dollar Bounty by Fire Roasted. This fic is available on AO3. And the summary says, Becca Mitchell is a seasoned assassin and a gifted marksman. Stacey Conrad is her best friend and partner in crime. She's brilliant, quick on her feet and an absolute rascal. They're good at what they do until the job goes wrong in every way imaginable and a redhead lands herself right into Becca's lap and into a world of trouble. This fic obviously centering around Bickloughey, but also Strawberry at the same time. So if you like either of those ships, there is a good chunk of both of those in this story. I always find it fascinating when somebody really veers off into other genres with Pitch Perfect and how they draw the characters together, create these little worlds of how everybody meets and how everybody interacts. And this one was so intriguing because it literally starts off with them on a mission like they're in the zone becca's getting ready to assassinate someone and it's all happening right there and so you're really literally thrown in at the deep end with this story kind of picking things up along the way as becca's doing her job stacy's there i just want to point out that becca and stacy's friendship is so much fun in this story Between, like, Becca's deadpan seriousness and then Stacey Conrad just literally being ridiculous at times and just goading Becca along or sometimes just pushing her to where she should get to, it works so well. I love it. The banter between the two of them that builds up, especially in the first few chapters, really kind of sets a tone for how they kind of go forward. It's so much fun, but, like... They can banter and they are okay doing that with each other because they have such a tight bond. It's almost like they're sisters in a way. They're so close. And it's a lovely thing to witness and just a total joy to read. With the action sequences and things that go along that as well, I thought they were done so well because sometimes it could be so much going on and be quite a challenge for somebody writing that with characters that are not normally put into these types of situations. So imagining how they play out and the characteristics that you recognize from Becca or Chloe in this situation are just brilliant I loved it they seem to like fit into these roles really well and what I thought was really interesting is as the story plays out there's just this underpinning that not everything is as it seems and as it says in the summary things kind of go a little bit wrong and, like, a big question to that is Chloe. Chloe seems to have a lot there that maybe they're not all aware of, Although there's lots of questions as to who she is, and it really draws you into the story, especially because as things unfold and things are going wrong, you can tell that she's completely out of her depth, but at the same time... She may not be uh, completely honest with who she is. So there's just so many questions. It just leads you down this rabbit hole. And I found myself delving into it, just being like, I can't stop. I just need to keep reading. This is a really good kind of multi-chapter fic. So you have like plenty of time to really get into the story, get into these characters. And the lovely thing is it's all finished now. So you can literally read the whole thing. It's great. And one touch that I really enjoyed... With stories like this, it's so tempting when you're creating a completely new AU universe to just create new characters. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I actually got a lot of joy reading this story and seeing how they had taken the Pitch Perfect characters and moulded them in to this universe. It was really exciting to see what role each of them played, how the author had seen the character and kind of felt this was the role for them or their personality matched really well here. There was a real sense as I was reading this story that the same feelings and sisterhood that you got from the Bellas was also centred around these characters and this kind of closeness and sisterhood that they had created in their lives. And it's just, it was just a lovely twist. Jesly was in there as well and it was just like so lovely to have them there and how they interacted and were put into this universe. And just, like, little pleasant surprises as you go along and see where characters fit in. Lots of twists and turns. Keeps you on the edge of your seat. And then also, like, with the main characters, Becca, Chloe, Stacy, and Aubrey, with everything going on, how they kind of work through feelings and how that all transpires with all the craziness that's happening around them. It's such an enjoyable read. The next story that I wanted to highlight for this week is called Blackout by Veronica Summers. This is available on fanfiction.net and the summary says, when the power goes out during a storm in their New York apartment, Becca and Chloe play a game of truth or dare. Now, what I will just point out that this is a topic that has been done plenty of times. However, I never get tired of it. Like... If you want to tackle something that's been done before, fair enough. I love it. I love delving into these and just seeing how it goes. Because, like, this is a one-shot, and with, like, one-shots like this, you kind of get an idea of to how this is going to play out. Like, or you hope you do, because you've probably read stories like this before. And so, like, it was a lot of fun to see how different writers tackle the subject. I also kind of feel like this is just... It's like a fan fiction staple, the truth or dare. And I'm all here for Bella's antics, whether it's at the Bella's house or the New York apartment or in a hotel room. Like, sometimes I just want the comfort of being in that universe and having these kind of little domestic interactions where it's just, like, them and how they would have lived their lives in these experiences that they have and this was a great little one where it's just becca and chloe in their new york apartment like something happens and they've got to deal with it and this is how it all plays out and what kind of draws you into the story because you kind of already know the build up to what's about to happen but it's lovely to kind of have these little twists where you just like your attention picks up and suddenly there's like an underpinning or an undertone of something that moves this forward and the the only thing that kind of does that is this little inkling that mentions the fact that neither of Becca and Chloe have been dating recently and maybe Becca's just got some pent-up frustration that she needs to let out which leads her to suggest something that probably she wouldn't normally suggest and I thought it was interesting of all of the characters to suggest truth or dead that it would be Becca because I often think that it would come from Chloe. So just thinking that Becca's just maybe like a little bit of pent up frustration going on there, that maybe she's had a few too many drinks and it just like leads to this situation. And of course, Chloe's all fair game. She's all up for it. She's so ready. Like, this is her element. And so you get this lovely but Chloe interaction. It's very playful. It's very flirty. You've got a little bit of embarrassed... And clueless Becker, in a sense, where she just ends up putting herself in situations. You know, it just happens. Sometimes you feel sorry for her, but you know, it works, and it always turns out okay in the end. And some of these little moments where Becker and Chloe are just interacting on their own and having this like fun friendship, kind of playful moment, with an underpinning of something else in there. It's always a joy to read. And of course, things just build up along the way. So, although you might have read stories very similar to this one, I loved it. It was a lot of fun to read. The last story that we're going to focus on for this week is called The Last Slow Song by The Pocket Dragon. This is available on AO3. And the summary says, Just a few months after graduation, the Bellas reunite for a very special celebration. All the romance in the air might just be the push Becca and Chloe need to admit their feelings. If only Becca can find the right songs to say it with. This is a B'Chloe one-shot set after Pitch Perfect 2. And I was so intrigued by this summary when I saw it. I was like, I want to know what song she's going to pick. Like, How is this all going to happen? And I sort of dove into the story, and I loved how there is just this underpinning around the story of music that just brings everything together. And it starts off with this whole idea that Becker is quite the musical um, trivia nerd, which loved it. I wish I could be a trivia nerd, but I I really don't have the uh, memory for that. But <laughs> the whole idea that. She is just that good. And sometimes maybe Becca and Chloe have this little game that they'll play to see how well Becca's music knowledge is. It was a lovely kind of underpinning. So it starts off with them getting ready for the celebration. And this little game starts up. So throughout the story, you've got like Becca's inner musings of an appropriate song or suggestion to this game that they're playing. And I think also partly it was fun to see some of the throwback song choices which are in there because there's like this part of the challenge it has to be a certain time period where Pekka picks this song so you get some like lovely musical references that just kind of made me want to go away and listen to them just kind of sucked me into this whole like muso environment i was loving it alongside that then you've also got all the Bellas at this celebration and Becca kind of being wound up to a point where she really is getting on the verge of expressing her feelings for Chloe. They've been living and settling into the New York apartment sleeping together and it's getting to the point where Becca's crush that she's had for so many years she just is getting really hard not to act on it. And I love how you get this whole sense that it's kind of building up to this. And with all the music and all the ideas, will she find the courage to express how she feels? The lovely thing with Becca is that she might not always find the words, but she will find the music that has her words in it. If you love music and you love like just delving into all that With all the musical references and stuff, it's just like a whole music filled thick with some really heartwarming moments where songs play a really, really big part. And even like some of the song references of like the Bellas partying at this celebration and the songs they listen to and how all the Bellas like interact and have this whole sisterhood that brings them all together. Another thing that I really enjoyed from this story was Aubrey's role in this and it wasn't how I expected and I think I found that quite enjoyable to read because it was really Becker and Aubrey's interaction and how Aubrey plays like a really key role in how this all plays out. Often when I think of like Becker and Chloe getting together, Aubrey's often interacting with Chloe and helping that side of things so... The fact that she was close enough with Becca, their friendship had progressed along the years to this point where she can kind of quite comfortably interact with Becca and knows how Becca's feeling. Maybe when Becca doesn't even know herself and that she could be the type of friend that Becca could turn to when she's seeking for her own answers. It was just so lovely and it it kind of builds up through the fic, this fluffiness If you're just looking for some good fluff, this is awesome. Coupled with songs. I mean, what else do you want? It's fantastic. Those are our fan fiction highlights for this week. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Of course, if you want to keep up to date with Pitch Slapped, we are all over social media on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr and Twitter. We've also set up a Ko-Fi account. So if you want to give any support to the podcast, you can there.